0: Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. My name is Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics. And by here, I mean PCI, Community Meeting in Europe. We're actually here in Dublin. Very excited about this opportunity to be able to talk to people who are here speaking and presenting and um, sharing their information with all of the people here at the conference. And John Elliott, who we've had on this podcast before. Super excited to get to talk to you. Uh, for people who haven't heard of you before, who haven't listened to some of the previous podcasts, will you please tell people a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, um, John Elliott, I am. Um, I, I do a number of things. Um, so I write training courses for a company called Plural Site, uh, which is based just up the road from where Security Metrics is based in in Utah. True, sunny Utah. Um, <laughs> and I'm also a security advisor at a European company called J Scrambler. Um, And we do stuff that prevents um, skimming attacks,
0: which is the reason that I wanted to talk to you today, because uh, anybody who knows the the change from 321 PCI DSS 321 to PCI DSS 4.0, one of the biggest changes there is the skimming attacks. But I thought maybe we should frame it a little bit differently because people have Probably heard a little bit about it. Let's give, let's put it in a slightly different context and make it bigger than just PCI. Definitely. Um, starting with, maybe starting with how do how do people lose data in the first place? What are the, what are these data leakage that,
1: yeah. methods? That's a, that's a great question. And 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 like probably when we both started in the industry, people used to steal data by hacking into companies and stealing data from the company. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, we've seen data leaking out from people's browsers mm-hmm. directly to somewhere else and 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 really also the way we build websites has changed like like in the old the olden days like a few <laughs> years ago if if i wanted my website to do to, to 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 take some input and then go to an api and look something up maybe i'm doing shipping calculation mm-hmm. costs or or customs duties or sure. interstate taxes or something like mm-hmm. that I'd get all the data back to my website, my own web server. Yeah. I'd call a number of different APIs. I'd put up some intelligence there, and then I'd render a page back to the browser. That's how people used to build right. web services. Nowadays, all that intelligence is, is often in the consumer browser. Mm-hmm. And the consumer browser will talk to a number of different API endpoints on the internet to provide that, pay, that interactive application to the user, mm-hmm. um, which means that... We're now pulling JavaScript into our browsers from a number of different sources, many of which are not ours. We don't own them. Right. They're from, if I'm feeling uncharitable, people we don't know and never have met and randomly decide to trust to put JavaScript in our customers' browsers on right. our website. Mm-hmm. And this has led to a number of different problems. I've, I I talked about this at RSA conference this year, earlier this year. Right. And, and really, I... I I categorize them in three different ways. The first way is, let's take advertising and marketing networks. A lot of people have their JavaScript in their web web pages, which is running in the customer web browsers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it will be still called a pixel, like Meta or Facebook, still call theirs a pixel. Because right. originally to track people between websites, you used to put an image tag. It was img src equals something at Facebook question mark with a unique ID. So uh-huh. it was like a query string on an image request. And that was the way of being able to track s- somebody across multiple domains. And it also allowed them to put a cookie on your...
0: That's a really good explanation because right. a lot of people say, well, how can a pixel track me. Yeah. But that explanation I think should be comprehensible to a lot of people. And that's
1: how it used to work. But then JavaScript became widely deployed everywhere, mm-hmm. and so even the meta pixel is no longer an that IMG, no longer. So it's no longer an image <laughs> file. Yep. It is a piece of JavaScript, but right. it's still called a pixel. Mm-hmm. And a few other people still call their bits of tracking JavaScript pixels because mm-hmm. that's what the industry uses. And so, we have a number of different bits of JavaScript running on 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 our in our browser, on our website, right? That, that, are desi- that are designed, because they're advertising and marketing and tracking systems, mm-hmm. to do just that. And so they tend to be data harvesters. In other words, they try and suck as much information as they can out of the page to build a broad profile of the user, yeah. to do data enrichment, so they can target advertising at you mm-hmm. much better. Um, and And... And this is great until it's not great. Mm-hmm. So let me give you some examples of where this has gone wrong. Uh, and I'm going to be generous because sometimes I think this is people not understanding the business model of advertising and tracking and marketing is to get as much data as possible. It's the whole purpose. So when you stick their code on your website, mm-hmm. you should assume they're going to try and take as much data as they can right. rather than assuming it'll be fine. So there are two big cases uh, last year in the States that I want to talk about. And Jen, keep me honest here, because I'm an English person. Uh And I try not to talk about US regulation too often, because I might make a mistake.
0: Okay, but uh, also, I am not an attorney. And so I can tell you how I understand regulations as a security professional. So we'll both kind of feel around the edges and hope we get it. Yeah. As accurate as possible. I,
1: I guess at this stage I should say if you need legal advice, you should talk to an attorney yeah. in your own state. <laughs> just,
0: Sad that we have to say that every time. But just in case. But true, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so the first is, and, and these are the, there's, there's, three, there's three breaches, three things I want to talk about really. The first is in healthcare in hospitals. Yes. There was some research done last year by uh, an organization called Let There Be Light. Mm-hmm. Brilliant uh not-for-profit organization that is a patient advocacy group. Mm-hmm. And they did some research with a magazine called The Markup, a website called The Markup, as to was there any health data, protected health data, leaking due to the use of these advertising and tracking pixels. Right. Okay. But it, is worth, it really is worth going through. And they tracked a lot of hospital websites where you went to make an appointment. Right. And the hospital website had the metapixel on it, the, the mm-hmm. Facebook metapixel. Not a pixel, piece of JavaScript, right? And and it took information about, uh, for example, what condition you were wanting an appointment for, mm-hmm. um, and that went back to 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 Meta's database, yeah. Uh, but that was protected healthcare information, yeah. PHI, right? Um, and it was defined as a breach of HIPAA, and it should be. And and two things happened. One is people started getting advertising for what I'm going to call. Non-regulated healthcare products, mm. like, like oh, you probably have um, an enlarged X, mm-hmm. right? This herbal remedy can fix enlarged X's, oh, right? Because the algorithm, mm-hmm. right? The you know, it's it's all because done by all that because data of all that, that data, was taken absolutely,
0: in that should not have been taken in, right. gave them far too much information about a person's medical condition,
1: and some people especially if they're if they've got things that look like they might be terminal they're mm-hmm. actually quite desperate for anything that might extend their life mm. or reduce their pain yeah. and so they're very vulnerable people at that stage yeah. with this advertising being targeted at them right. so that that's a bad thing for humanity yeah the second thing is that um the Department of Health and Human Services—that's right, isn't yes, it?
0: Yes, HHS. HHS exactly. um,
1: was alerted to this, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's like, was this a HIPAA breach? And they were really clear. They put some very strong guidance on their website. Yeah. This is a HIPAA breach, absolutely. Right. If you want to share data with advertising or marketing networks. Mm-hmm. They need to be now. I have to get this right. Business partners.
0: Yes, business business associates business, is the right. name, and and so the business associate you have to have a signed agreement with the business associate. Although, the nature of the business that they do makes them a business associate, not the signed agreement. But, um, but but so, but the other thing is, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to have a business associate, and so it's okay to share data." No, they have to have a reasonable, um, uh. Take part in a reasonable activity in the treatment of a patient, not not just oh, we're going to sign this with yeah. them, and so suddenly it falls correctly yeah. under the law. That doesn't
1: happen. Yeah. So, so HHS said, yeah, I mean, you could share data with these people as long as it met the security rule mm-hmm. and the privacy rule, uh-huh. and they were a business associate. Yeah. Three things that you would never be able to fulfill based on just giving it away for marketing purposes. Exactly. So, a number of hospitals um, got got. Um, enforcement action taken against by HSS, right. there is still a number of court cases going through mm-hmm. from patients who are affected by this breach. Right. So, so that's that's the first thing. And, we, and, and we're and we not talking about criminal actors or bad actors here. We're effectively talking about a misconfiguration of the pixel. Oh, sorry, a piece of JavaScript.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and misconfiguration, whether it was because they – chose not to read the law or misinterpreted the law or were unaware that the information that they were gathering was in some way affected by a law. Uh, and I know that can, that uh, the number of regulations potentially applicable to an e-commerce site, yeah. which basically this, this was, um, uh, you know, you can't... It can be difficult to know all of the information, totally. and so you've got a developer and you've got the marketing team saying, "Hey, give us this info." And the developers go, "Yeah, we've got this little piece of code. You can gather all of that." Yeah. And so at some point, training didn't happen or communication didn't happen, but like you said, misconfiguration.
1: I think I think there's there's, there's two things. Firstly, is that a lot of these advertising and tracking. JavaScripts are being added to website not by IT or information security. Yeah. They're being added by the marketing and digital departments, right. often through something called a, a tag manager. Uh-huh. Now, tag manager is a really interesting term. Um, and a tag manager is a way of adding... And a tag is another piece of JavaScript. Mm -hmm. So let's call it a a piece of JavaScript manager. Right. And a piece of JavaScript manager, they come from Google Tag Manager, Mm -hmm. and and Adobe. And most marketing and digital departments will use them because you embed the Tag Manager's JavaScript in your website, and then when the Tag Manager loads, it goes off to the Tag Manager home Mm -hmm. and says, what other bits of third-party JavaScript should I load? So it allows marketing to add JavaScript to your website Without worrying the developer right or complete or as you and I might put it, being security professionals, completely bypassing any change control and security procedures you might have in place sure it's a brilliant way of getting i t and information security. Out of the JavaScript management of the website, and
0: and just the language that's used there, tag manager. If you don't know what that is, and you're you know part of the if s- some business leader that is approving yeah. this, you might think, oh, they're just putting hashtags on our yeah. social media content. W- that's not what this is at absolutely.
1: all. Absolutely. So, tag manager is a way of somebody putting any random JavaScript from people you've never met who you absolutely trust not to steal all the information from your website onto your <laughs> website.
0: I don't know. That seems a little risky. <laughs>
1: But that's where we are, Jen. That's yeah. where we are in the market. And, and, I, and I don't think we're ever we, – I don't think there's any way of going back from that. So so, so, so let's, let's think about, like, is, is it a misconfiguration or is it just people not understanding that the job of marketing and advertising tracking is mm-hmm. to get as much data as possible and therefore you need to treat it with caution right. rather than just treat it with abandon? So let me – can yeah. I tell you about another healthcare breach? Absolutely. And this one I find really interesting because – it affects non HIPAA covered entities. So, the so, so a couple of them were for uh, abortion advice websites, mm. for um, uh, prescriptions, mm-hmm. um, a prescription, an online prescription company. None of this is HIPAA covered data. and right. They're not HIPAA entities. And a lot
0: of people get confused about this because they think all healthcare in the U.S. is cut co- is protected health information, but it's not. It's health information that is related to specific transactions that are related to insurance. Now, if you wanted to be cynical about it, you could say it's to prevent insurance fraud. And a lot of people think it's a privacy yeah. law. We call it a privacy law. And yes, there are elements of privacy there, but the main focus did not come from the protection of individual privacy, which would you know, take and make it applicable to health, data across the Absolutely. board, but HIPAA data is about insurance data. So, so there are people who are like, well, we aren't covered by HIPAA, so it, we can use this information in any way we like. We don't have protected information.
1: It might not be protected by HIPAA, but there is another rule run by the FTC, the Federal, yeah, Federal Trade, Trade, Trade Commission. Commission, which is the health data rule or health data breach rule, I think it's called. And uh, and the FTC really care if you lose health data and share health data with somebody. And so these type of organizations, again, had tracking JavaScript on their website. Right. That information was sent to third parties. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have been the FTC took action against those organizations. Right. And recently, and you can just use your favorite search engine and type in, Uh, HHS for Health and Human Services, Mm -hmm. space FTC, Mm -hmm. joint letter. And they issued a joint letter saying this is something that if you deal with any healthcare information, protected or not protected, you really need to take some control over. We will take action against you. You have been warned. And
0: it can result in some pretty hefty settlement amounts and fines. and, And, you know, then you also add state laws into the mix there. And... And you lose, per, you know, private information in any way related to health, or it's private information not related to health. Mm-hmm. If you are talking some states, um, and you can, it can get pretty pricey pretty quickly. Totally.
1: And if, if we were in Europe, these obviously would be breaches of the General Data Protection Regulation. Right. So these would be gd they would be very classic GDPR breaches because yeah. we do have a universal privacy law yes. in Europe. So. So, so, so those are the health information. Uh, another one that came to, to light last year was um, tax information. Mm. Um, the companies who do your online tax returns, you all, the three of them, you know their names. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, they all had this tracking information, these tracking JavaScript on their websites. And guess what information went to the tracking companies was like your tax return mm-hmm. data, uh, which now allows them to do a much better profile of you because they know how much you earn and how much things like that. Right Now, one of the things that was really interesting is when hospitals were talking to HHS, they said, ah, it's okay because meta, disca- meta discards any healthcare information they get. No, um, they don't. Well, even if they do, it's not, your respo- it's not their responsibility <laughs> to get rid of information that you accidentally send them. But also,
0: how could they possibly get their arms around all – that's nonsense.
1: Yeah. HHS said – just what you said—that's nonsense. <laughs> so it's it's not the receiver's responsibility to go. Oh, I shouldn't really have that data. I'll throw it away. It's your responsibility if you run a website with these tracking and advertising mm-hmm. pixels, to to make sure that you've configured them correctly right. and told them what data they can and can't take, and also talk to your marketing and digital departments about right. it. So that, those are those are the two big ways that people are, are losing data. Mm-hmm. It's either now. The bar to becoming an advertising and tracking network is quite small. And the bar to getting into the tag manager is quite small. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's done by people who actually really want to suck up this data. Yeah. Sometimes it's done... Sometimes weird things happen that... um, that the developers actually of these javascripts actually don't do a very good job. And so there was some research done in Europe. And again, I'll give you the link to the research report where they were taking usernames and passwords out of input fields because they'd been configured just to take any data out of any input field. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, whoops. Whoops. Um, that's not a great thing. That seems like a problem. Yeah, and, and, and again, if you want to search for the paper online yourself, you search for leaky forms is the name of the paper. Okay. Um, and it was about how how these tracking networks leak data. But also, and I thought this was quite interesting, um, a lot of people use um, A-B testing, uh-huh. right, when, yes. they, when they're trying to optimize their website mm-hmm. flows. Um, surprisingly, they take lots of data from forms as well. So Shocker. So, <laughs> so, 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 so I think my message is, as I've started to get further down, what I find this this rabbit hole yeah. um, of data leakage from the client browser is it was much bigger than I thought it was ever going to mm-hmm. be. I, I got into this because of our shared love of PCI DSS and payment data. Mm-hmm. I used to, uh, I, I, in the introduction, I forgot to mention, I used to work for card brands. Yes. So And I was the card brand representative on the PCI working group. Actually, I think well, that's how,
0: why we talked to you before. That's but. right, yeah.
1: Yep. Um, and when I, was at, when I was at Visa Europe a long time ago, we just started seeing that people had done what we call this direct post method, mm-hmm. where the merchant generated the, the, the form for the cardholder data, right. but you, the post went off to the payment service provider. Right. And the merchants were all going, we don't store, process, or transmit cardholder data. They still say that. We don't need to do PCI mm-hmm. DSS. And I realized really quickly that this was an attack surface that – I just com- compromised the merchant's website or I, there's any javascript on that page you, yeah. you can still get the cardholder data. Yeah, you can. So so we did some work then at Visa we wrote some documents about this mm-hmm. and tried to educate the market. And, and since that day I've been in this like rabbit hole of like this is a problem we need to deal with. Yeah. Um and we've seen, all the card brands have seen lots of attacks. In fact, skimming attacks now, which is, is, is just like a criminal getting, getting some JavaScript onto your web page, mm-hmm. skimming attacks are now the biggest way that websites, the, the whole industry is losing cardholder exactly.
0: data. Exactly. That's um, why the big new rules came about. Yeah. Because well, it's such a problem.
1: It's such a problem. You run a forensics company. You, you're a forensics team at Security Metrics. Yeah. I know, because I've spoken to you, this is what they see all day long. All the long. time. Yeah. And, and so, so, so let's think about it. We've now got your website that's taking payments, mm-hmm. that's putting in JavaScript from. Uh, and we did some research at J last year about. Oh. We did some like market. We did some testing. On average, most websites have, have hundred different bits of JavaScript on their website. Y- yes, and on average. Uh, And there are differences. You know, some people do, some people don't. On average, about half of them come from their own servers. Mm -hmm. We call that first-party scripts. Mm -hmm. And half of them come from somebody else's servers, Mm -hmm. third-party scripts. Could be advertising. It could be tracking. It could be A-B testing. It could be an API to work out shipping costs. It could be all sorts of different things. Right. Right. If I, I as a criminal, can compromise any one of those 100 scripts, I can put my skimming stuff there because JavaScript... Uh, And this is a real problem with JavaScript as a language. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have segmentation in it. So if I get some JavaScript running in the browser, I can read any data. I Mm -hmm. can write any data. Mm -hmm. I can change the behavior of the the form. Mm -hmm. I can do anything I want, effectively, which is why I'm a bit cynical about saying tag managers are... Random bits of JavaScript from people you've never met and who you really shouldn't trust. Be- because this, this is your entire attack surface mm-hmm. now.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't think lots of people have worked that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the large s- attacks we've seen in the US and in Europe against cardholder data have been these skimming attacks, mm-hmm. which is why when that the the car brands got together to write PCI DSS version four, uh, and i was I was part of that at the time, yes, that we wrote two new requirements to try and get and to try and reduce the probability of skimming attacks happening. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very clear, it's to reduce the probability. No security is perfect. So people right. say, oh, John, you must, you know, we must block. It's like, it's not a blocking requirement. It's a management requirement. Mm-hmm. And the requirement's really simple. It just says that you have an inventory, so you know what's on. You know on, what the scripts are on you your know, page. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you've made a conscious decision to put them there. Yep. There's an authorization process. Right. That authorization could be before the script appears or it could be if they're all added by marketing, marketing something where you you detect a script's appeared straight, and then you say, is this a script we want or not? But right. but you're you're actively managing it, mm-hmm. and you're getting alerts when there are unauthorized scripts. Yes, uh, and those that, that's the core of it, um, and I think that uh, I mean it's a great thing for payments, I think that should be true for every piece of script on your website. Absolutely. If, if that data is valuable, if yeah. any data on forms is valuable to somebody else. So if you have a form on your website mm-hmm. and a criminal or, a, or a, a, a marketing or advertising network could could abuse, yep. not, not, often, well, not intentionally, the marketing website's not doing this, I'm going to be generous of their intent they're not doing this intentionally but they they get the data that's sent to them they put it in their database mm-hmm. they do they're what they do it. it's their job yeah and it's your job to make sure that you understand what you're sending um yeah. uh, and i uh, and a uh, rsa i i sorry, i gave a keynote on this at rsa and I, I i think this we've all put this in the this is a bit too hard to fix problem box
0: yeah and, and that's a risk like that like a real risk, because it is complex and it is massive it is and and just throwing up our hands and saying oh well it's a big problem is not mm-hmm. that isn't going to get us towards a fix but, but there are some organizations that are are making good strides towards different ways to address this yeah. fix and and security metrics is one of them so security metrics has a managed service yep and and so for organizations that want a managed service on this security metrics solution is great J Scrambler has uh, another solution, Another and there's another company that we talked to recently called Human that yep. has an, another way. So there's different ways of dealing there's, with it depending on how you want to approach it. But I would like to hear about how Jscrambler Scrambler does it because that might be a, a different so, a solution for yeah. different organizations.
1: So, so J Scrambler's got an interesting way of doing it is that we have an agent that loads as the first piece of JavaScript. It has to load as the first piece of JavaScript in, in your stack. hmm and then it effectively sandboxes all the other javascripts that loads because javascripts what's called a prototype language mm-hmm. but we monkey patch every every internal call in the browser okay and so if 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 a piece of script says uh, go and create an iframe that doesn't go to the browser straight away it comes to our code mm-hmm. that says is that script allowed to create an iframe so it's got a rules engine in there oh. and if and if if a, if a script says um get me the inside value of this form mm-hmm. field which is how you would you you would skim the data out you'd say yeah. read, read me the inside value of this id right right that will go to our agent mm-hmm. which will say is that piece of script allowed to read that data from that form field or that data from that text you've just put on screen so if you've put something on screen if you if you've shown that, like the user the balance of their account or mm-hmm. their card number or their I know some websites can do that. You can see your personal identification number, mm-hmm. right? That's that's not a field. That's just a piece of text, right? Right. But again, if somebody tried to read that, the agent would say, "Is that piece? Is that script allowed to read that information?" So it effectively, sandboxes all the other JavaScript on the website. Oh,
0: very interesting. So I think that some some organizations, depending on. The, uh, the do they have an internal sock? Do they have internal yeah. people? This might be a solution that they would be more comfortable with rather than having a managed solution. Totally. And so, um, as a QSA, one of the things that we're supposed to do is, rec- you know, find other solutions yeah. and recommend a lot of things. Which is why I really wanted to have you talk about that today because it's a, it is very different.
1: It's a really interesting way of doing it, um, and and it also allows you to. So what what I found, and actually what I'm talking about here at the PCI community meeting, is is I think I was maybe naive about how easy it would be to manage JavaScript. I didn't realize that it had got to the stage now where it's 100 scripts or 200 scripts, yeah. or some web um, engines generate JavaScript automatically on mm-hmm. the fly. So it makes managing it really quite complicated. It is, yeah. um, the, the nice thing with the J-Scramble solution is that you can form fence. So mm-hmm. you can say the only thing that's allowed to gain access to these form fields are our own first-party JavaScript. Mm-hmm. No third-party JavaScript can ever access the booking information on the hospital form mm-hmm. and then it doesn't really matter what marketing do right they can add anything to the website and you know that the protected healthcare information won't leak out or if it's still on your tax website you can f- you can form fence all the tax information Mm -hmm. fields so you can still track the user as a customer Right Marketing gets a
0: lot of the information they need but not the information that they shouldn't have Correct
1: But I would also say that what you want to do if you're in information security is work out how you're going to put your hands around this problem Yeah The thing that I really like is because these new requirements have appeared in PCI DSS Mm -hmm. it's sort of pump started the market Mm -hmm. for everyone being a bit more concerned about this Right so you say, Human have got products. Source Defense mm-hmm. have a product. If you use, if you use a content distribution network, if you use Akamai or Cloudflare or Imperva, mm-hmm. they've all got solutions that will do. They work differently, mm-hmm. but they've got solutions that are trying to address this. I don't think any solution is perfect. I shouldn't say that. The JSCramble solution is really good. <laughs> Right, and I'm okay. sure your managed services really. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Good. <Right>. But, but <laughs> we're perfect. <laughs> we're we're
1: at a fairly beginning stage of le- of as an industry of securing JavaScript yes. in the client browser. Uh, and if there's, uh, I know this is a podcast and I'm not on stage giving a presentation, right. but if there's a, like something I'd like people to take away from the podcast mm-hmm. is to think about if they're running websites, whether it's an econ website or yep. just a booking website or mm-hmm. anything. Like, what's your attack surface? How are you managing it?
0: Exactly. And knowing that what kind of sensitive information is is coming through and is a target of these attacks. Because if a lot of times I'll talk to different groups and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we protect the page in this way. And I'll say, what data comes in? What Have you classified the data that comes in? And they'll say, oh, we don't know anything about the data that comes in. And so having a, a comprehensive end to end understanding of what is the data that's 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 being t- um, taken in and how is it being protected and in what way is it affected by a standard or a regulation or something that you yeah. have to protect it in certain ways totally yeah. and,
1: and and it's easy you press f12 and go into dev tools <laughs> and look at how much how, the different sources of javascript for your website it's, it's a lot it's, and you'll be, and, and you'll probably be surprised i really was surprised
0: yeah Well, John, this has been great. I know that um, this is a a hot topic right now, and you put a spin on it that we have not had uh, this conversation before. So I really appreciate you coming in and explaining these things in detail to us.
1: Thanks a lot, Jenny. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics Podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.